0: Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes descriptions of gore and animal death. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. She thought she'd locked the door after she'd taken the dog out. She was sure of it. But still, she moved from room to room checking every corner all was still satisfied she curled up into bed closed her eyes and sighed contentedly then something stirred beneath her she found her courage and leaned over the edge of the bed her hands gripping the bottom edge of the frame a tongue licked her fingers and she felt silly. She heard the dog snuffle and settle. Then she shut her eyes and went to sleep, not seeing a hand ever so gently pulling back her curtains. Dogs aren't the only creatures with wet, hungry mouths. Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find all episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap browse, and type Haunted Places in the search bar. Today, we look at the sordid tale of mistaken identity, the licked hand. You never know what might be lurking by your bedside in the dark, especially if you have a pet or two wandering around the house. Most commonly shared among American teenagers at sleepovers or beside campfires, the urban legend known as the Licked Hand is the nightmare of every dog parent left home alone. An escaped criminal hiding under the bed tricks his unknowing target into believing that the presence beneath them is just their faithful hound before leaving a grisly present for them in the morning. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Guard dogs were the world's first security system, an early warning of outside threats and invaders. Over thousands of years, dogs were bred to protect us and help us feel safe. Now, the role of most dogs is less serious, but even a Chihuahua can be counted on for a warning sign that a stranger is in the house. However, in the licked hand, that illusion of safety turns sinister. In the Journal of American Folklore, Susan Stewart wrote that horror threatens us with a situation where our assumed patterns of significance and insignificance are skewed. The thrills of humans can lick too are tied into these Mr. X. The protagonist of the story takes comfort in the small domestic action of a dog showing affection, only to discover that their trust has been horribly abused. Stewart describes this particular urban legend as exploring the boundaries between the human and the other, nature and culture. It is about the outside coming in, not just in terms of a home being breached by a killer, but having an animal in your home in the first place. The story persists because it reminds us of a truth few want to admit. Sometimes, what makes us feel safe is the very thing we need to fear. Lorraine was 15 now. She didn't have to go to boring dinner parties. She didn't have to listen to her parents' friends talk about how big she was as they shoved their children into her arms. More importantly... She didn't have to have a babysitter. No, Lorraine was 15, and 15-year-olds got to stay home and eat pizza at all hours, as long as they took care of the dog. Even better, her dog, Flower, was easy to care for. A massive shepherd pitbull mix, he was calm to a fault and old in a charming, kind way rather than a grumpy one the perfect Netflix-watching partner. He was communicative, too. Lorraine had already grabbed the harness as he left the couch and went to the door. She helped him step into it and attach the leash. They were a well-oiled machine and went out into the night without a single bark or jump. Lorraine's father had always taken the last shift when it came to flower, so she wasn't used to the strange stillness after midnight. She searched for a friendly source of light outside of the short street lamp's lazy glow. Her eyes found a lit bedroom on the top floor of the colonial across the street. But then it went dark, leaving her alone in the void. Flower didn't seem to notice her discomfort. He kept his nose to the ground, sniffing every stray leaf on the sidewalk, in no hurry to relieve himself. She passed by the Colonial nervously, holding her breath for a reason she couldn't quite explain. Suddenly, Flower lunged at the house, barking madly. Lorraine was barely able to keep hold of the leash. She tried to pull him away, but Flower fought her at every turn. Then, just as suddenly, he stopped. Lorraine was on alert, too, scanning the house for any sign of movement. She caught a glimpse of a shadowy figure in the kitchen window, but Flower was already pulling her down the sidewalk again. As they walked, Lorraine kept looking over her shoulder at the house. The figure never moved. The familiar ding of her phone was too loud. She jumped slightly, and Flower whined in distress. She gave him a reassuring pat before checking her phone. Her fingers shook ever so slightly as she put in her passcode, but she told herself it was just a sudden night breeze. She read the text. A few hours of freedom were turning into a full night. Her parents had too much to drink and would be sleeping at their friend's house. Lorraine's mother had a deep distrust of ride-sharing services. This had gotten much worse when she read a story about a driver who had beaten one of his customers with a hammer. If they couldn't drive themselves, they wouldn't be coming home. Lorraine's fears were forgotten. This meant binging on junk food and video games long into the night, playing as much as she wanted. Lorraine texted them with a thumbs-up emoji, followed by a champagne glass and a smiley with sunglasses. she just messaged her best friend to see if she was up for some co-op when Flower began to whine. She leaned down and ruffled his fur, but he was inconsolable. Teeth bared and panting. Her phone was blowing up with messages, but it seemed to be making Flower worse. As much as her phone felt like her second brain, she knew she could wait the ten minutes it would take to get back home and get Flower settled on the couch. She silenced the device and slid it back into her pocket. His growling immediately stopped. Lorraine sighed. Flower was a weirdo, but he was her weirdo. They walked on, their shadows blurring together on the sidewalk, her head atop his body, his paws where her hands should be. He came to a stop in front of her favorite spot, the neighborhood's mini-lending library. Although she'd never met the neighbor who had put the tiny house on a post here, She was always grateful for this little treasure trove. Whenever she walked Flower, she stopped here to see what new books had been left, taking one for herself and occasionally leaving one for someone else to find. The hutch's glass door was already open, the small metal latch dangling limply at its side. She gently tugged it the rest of the way and reached her hand inside. It was empty, It was never empty. She wasn't sure why it upset her, but it did. The wood was dark and moldy at the back. Lorraine was pulling her hand back when a large insect ran across the mottled surface. Lorraine practically leapt backward as the winged thing flew out of a small box, fluttering to the ground in front of her. Flower couldn't be happier. He pounced, crunching the carapace in his jaws before Lorraine could get a word in. She decided that her father could brush the dog's teeth in the morning. She wasn't going anywhere near Mr. Bugteeth's mouth tonight. They'd only walked for a handful of steps when Flower stopped to pee in celebration of his kill. Lorraine was sure she heard footsteps, but the sidewalk was empty. Something moved near the trees. She squinted into the darkness. Her eyes weren't sharp enough to be sure, but it looked like something was waiting just beyond the ivy and elm. She took a step forward, but Flower yanked her back, investigating a particularly interesting drain cover. When she brought her eyes back to the tree line, there was nothing there. Lorraine tried to shake it off, but she swore that she could hear footsteps following them. She looked in all directions each time Flower paused, trying her best to be subtle in case they were being watched. They kept going until their house came back into view. Lorraine couldn't help but breathe a sigh of relief. But then, of course, Flower decided it was time to defecate. Lorraine tried to slow her breathing as she pulled out a plastic bag. She drew her cell phone out of her pocket to light the way, but stopped when she saw her display. Twenty-one notifications? No. Now, thirty! She scrolled through, confused. The plastic bag still wrapped around her other hand. Her parents had sent several messages telling her to make sure everything was locked. Several of her friends were freaking out, asking if she was okay. Lorraine had no idea what was going on. She opened Twitter. Her timeline was flooded. One word kept jumping out. Murderer. A serial killer had somehow escaped from the Supermax prison, stealing a van and driving towards the city, Police found the abandoned van. Four blocks from Lorraine's house, her blood ran cold. Coming up, Lorraine races to safety or right into the killer's grasp. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some... a serial killer, in her neighborhood. And she was walking the dog like nothing was wrong. Flower's nose was still in the grass when she began to pull, booking it towards the house. The old dog pulled back the entire way. But still, she reached her front door, pushing it open, yanking the dog inside, and shutting it just as quickly. She let herself collapse, sliding down the door. Flower came to check on her, and she removed his leash and halter. Lorraine looked up. Her heartbeat stuttered. The deadbolt stood horizontal above her. She hadn't locked it when she and Flower had come inside. It should have been an easy thing to fix, but terror made her hands go numb. She carefully placed her hand on the lock, and ever... So slowly, she turned the lock. Lorraine sagged against the door. Her breath came in pants. She nearly screamed when Flower barked. The dog was staring out the window by their front door. She dropped flat to the ground. If there was something out there, Lorraine didn't want them to see her. Flower scratched at the floor his eyes locked in the darkness beyond the glass. Lorraine didn't dare follow her dog's gaze. She pulled herself up to a crouch. Flower stayed on high alert, his ears pulling away from his head. She whispered his name, but he didn't turn. Lorraine tensed. Was that a floorboard upstairs creaking? She tried to remind herself that it was just the house settling. She reached into her back pocket for her phone. It wasn't there. It must have fallen out of her pocket when she ran. Panic took over. Her father had finally convinced her mother to get rid of the landline a few months ago. To make matters worse, she didn't even remember their numbers. Flower's head slumped against the glass. The rain moved closer to the window. She peered out. The street was empty. Everything looked the same as it had when they left for the walk. She patted Flower on the head and stood up, taking in her surroundings, hoping that the familiarity would help her calm down. She peered into the dark living room. Her mother's DVD collection, her father's cookbooks, the quilt she made in Girl Scouts. Her gaze slid along the stairs and back to the foyer. The flower arrangement her mother had put together needed some more water. Her keys were sitting in the dish by the front door. Had she put them there as she rushed in? Or had she gone for a walk with the doors wide open? She quietly kicked off her sneakers and crept down the hallway in her socks. She might have done the wrong thing to start this night off, But she was going to do it right now. Lorraine pulled her father's five-iron from his golf bag. Come at me, killer guy, she thought. She made for the kitchen, knowing her mother would have a flashlight. If someone was in the house, she was going to have the element of surprise. She had snuck in and out enough times to know every squeaky board and trick step. She checked that the back door and the door to the garage were locked. Then stacked Costco-sized packages of flour and brownie mix in front of them so she'd hear if anyone came in. The flashlight was right where her mother's crisis binder said it would be. Lorraine held it with one hand and let the golf club hang at her side. She crept out into the living room, beam cutting through the darkness in front of her. She had to check the rest of the house, If there was an unlocked door or a cracked window, the killer could have found it. And then he could be anywhere. Lorraine moved from the living room to the dining room. She checked under the ornate cherry wood table. Nothing. A floorboard creaked. Lorraine shot a quick glance behind her. It was flower waiting on the threshold. She tapped her leg gently and he came over. They walked the length of the room together. The china cabinet was slightly ajar. Lorraine's eyes darted around the space, but everything else looked fine. It wasn't large enough for anyone to hide it, but sometimes the door to the cabinet opened when someone walked past it. Tonight, she had avoided the area, and flower was too light to create the same effect. She stepped forward to check the other side of the cabinet. Her fear made her legs tremble, and the porcelain inside jingled ever so slightly. She froze, listening closely. But the house was quiet. The first floor was clear. Lorraine nearly threw herself into the china cabinet as she started from the sound of what could have been bones crunching in the kitchen. She lifted the club and headed for the kitchen. It was flour, devouring his kibble, breaking it into bits with his giant teeth. He stopped to look at her, cocking his head to the side. A wave of relief passed over her. No matter what, he could protect her. They would be fine. Lorraine went back towards the stairs in the entryway. Flower followed along behind her, his nails clacking softly on the hardwood floors. She winced, but she could tell he was trying. In the dark, her parents' bedroom looked like a cavern. She let Flower go in first. When he'd run around the whole room, Lorraine switched on the light. If anything was out of place, she wouldn't be able to tell. Seeing nothing, Lorraine sighed and headed out of her parents' bedroom following Flower as he padded past the bathroom and straight into her room. Flower curled up on the floor as Lorraine climbed onto her bed. She felt tired and frayed around the edges. The open china cabinet door kept running through her mind. She opened her laptop. No more news of the escaped killer. She dropped a few messages to friends, telling them she was all right. She looked down to check on her dog. But he wasn't curled up on the floor anymore. Flower had a terrible habit of hiding under the bed. She called his name and glimpsed his nose peeking out from under her dust ruffle. She got up to check her curtains and finally felt her fear give way to exhaustion. Before she could think, she was under the covers. And then it all went black she woke to the sound of water dripping. She looked at the alarm clock. She'd only been asleep for about 30 minutes. The shower in her bathroom had always been finicky. Lorraine called for flower, but he didn't answer. She scooted over in the bed, letting her hand hang off the edge. The gentle lick of his tongue was a balm to her fractured nerves. She'd done the same thing when she was younger, and thunderstorms would send her hiding under the covers. Lorraine let herself fall back onto the bed. She remembered him eating the bug earlier that night. How overwhelming such a little thing had felt then. Oh, flower, she thought, smiling at her own grown upness. At least I know where your mouth has been. Her eyelids started to get heavy. The adrenaline had finally left her body, and she was so very tired. Lorraine turned onto her side and let sleep take her again. She sat up groggily, rubbing her eyes. Through the window, the first bits of red were stroking the sky. Her bare feet hit the cold floor, and she stumbled towards the bathroom still muddled from the night before. Lorraine's foot touched something sticky. She looked up and had to swallow the vomit that rose in her throat. Flower was hanging over the shower bar like a discarded beach towel. His throat slashed. A single line of blood still trickled his corpse. Still drip, drip, dripping. Next to his body was a message, written clearly on the shower wall, in flowers' blood. Humans can lick too. The American Veterinary Medical Association reported in 2016 that there are over 77 million family dogs in the United States alone. They provide emotional support, physical labor, and most importantly of all, cuddles. That's what makes the idea of them being replaced by a killer so very frightening. Humans can lick too isn't just a standard home invasion story. It's a complete upending of a domestic power structure. While the Licked Hand, or Humans Can Lick Too, is considered to be one of the more modern urban legends, it has its roots in several different sources. The oldest account of the story is contained within the diary of British Army Major Sir John Dearman Birchall in 1871. He recounts a guest at a croquet party, telling him that his wife woke him in the middle of the night, convinced that there was a robber in their room. The guest calmed her by saying that it was simply their Newfoundland dog beneath the bed. He reached his hand down to pat his faithful companion, was licked, and went back to sleep. The next morning, many of their valuables were gone. It's not until the 1970s that there's another concrete record of the licked hand. Marion Herbert Knapp's book, One Potato, Two Potato, The Folklore of American Children, recounts the story as we now tend to hear it. But it's D.B. Martin's Bedtime for Sam, published in 1982, that has been given credit when it comes to media adaptations. Martin's version follows a 10-year-old boy, Sam, who has to stay home so his mother can visit his sick grandmother. She tells him that if he's scared, he just needs to put his hand out to know their dog Maggie is there. Sam hears noises at night and calms himself by reaching down to let what he thinks is the dog lick his hand. In the morning, he sees Maggie's corpse on the bathroom floor. Humans like to lick too is written on the mirror in blood. Perhaps the most striking thing about this story is the way it has changed. Many urban legends tend to have consistent kinds of victims college co-eds, preteen girls, etc. But apart from the ill-fated hound, the licked hand does not. The story is more interested in the fine line between man and beast and how easily that line can be crossed, especially if there's another living thing in the house who wants to remain hidden. So check your house thoroughly before drifting off to sleep. And maybe don't let your dog make a habit of sleeping under the bed, just in case. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other Parcast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite Parcast Originals, like Haunted Places, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app, Tap Browse and type Haunted Places in the search bar. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Liebeskind. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lildi Ritter and Jennifer Richet. I'm Greg Paulson.